Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From the fifth quarter studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Everybody, happy Wednesday, episode 679 of Coach Unplugged. Today, we're going to, it's a part one of two parts. We're going to talk to Coach about building a uh, program. Um, so it's like, I think it's almost an hour and a half. So I had to split it up in, into two podcasts. But before we jump into that, um, remember, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Um, lowest price that we're going to offer the, for the rest of 2020, 15% off today. It was 20% on Monday. It was 18%. You can see there's a pattern. It's 15% off today. It will be the lowest price we offer in 2020. So make sure you go over and check it out. If you're Hopefully you're listening today and you can get that on August 5th and you can get that deal. Um, go over and check out also Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. You know, the top college programs in the country use it, Duke, Florida, Kansas, Tennessee, Louisville, you know, you name it. I won't name all the top programs. I don't know if UW-Madison has one, but we've got two in our, in our, uh, in our gym and, and a whole bunch of state titles. So come over and check it out. Mention Coach Unplugged. They'll give you $350 off. All right, let's head to, off to the podcast. Okay. Let me uh, – all right. So, Coach, let's talk about building a program. Your commitment statement and something – what you sent me is unbelievable. Um, it's like you put a lot of time into this. What are you getting your master's in? You told me you're going to work in on your master's. What are you getting your master's in? It's in, um, it's sport management and it's okay. got a, an administrative and a coaching quality to it. So, okay. yeah. So this is, this is, you can use, start using this for your master's. Right. <laughs> so, so go through and go through and explain some of the stuff that you did and you know, how you've kind of built those programs and, and I'll chime in here and um, talk about a couple of things I've done. Do you want me to share my screen or do you want me sure, to Sure, you can share. It's up to you. It's okay. up to you. Yeah, I, I think it would be great for people to – I can put this down in the show notes too. But it's better than – I when I can see it, it's a little bit easier. Can you still um, – it just makes it easier because then I – what I if I see what you see, then I can um, then I can jump in. and. Okay, so this has my 
my logo from when I was in high school. I, okay. I, I worked on all of this over the course, uh, and I submitted this as I was going into, as I was applying for my job here. And I just think it's a, a good document to have, you know, and again, nothing's original with me. I, I don't want anybody to ever think that I'm taking credit for something. Coaches are great it, thieves, yeah. let me tell you. They really are. Yeah. But that's, but that's, I mean, but not, not everybody admits it. And, <laughs> and I'll be the first to admit it. Uh, so I think I have my players do a commitment statement. And so I have my, my uh, coaches do it as well. And I think you say, this is what I commit to being. Um, I think that's a little bit different than maybe than a goal is something in the future a commitment is something that you can hold me to every day. And so I tell my players and my parents, this is what I commit. This is the kind of coach I commit to being. Then I have the players tell me that, you know, whatever they've got to come up with the kind of player that they're going to commit to being that way. I'm holding them accountable to what they committed to. It's not something that I created. It's something that they came up with. And I say, if you do this, you're telling me this is this is the standard you want me to hold you to. And so we usually do this on a team retreat uh, away from school. And I've done that at the high school level and at the college level where we just get away as a team. And it's so important for me to do these things that you know, I save money throughout the year to be able to do a team retreat, even if it's not overnight, even if it's just away for one day at a lake house or something. I think it's important to do no, that. And I think it's important. I, I love that, you, that it's a commitment, not a goal, because you're right. right. I think sometimes those goals are too lofty or they're not like commitment is something right. I can I can commit to, to making my bed. I can commit to getting up early and going right. and exercising, those kind of. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, if you've ever read or heard of the book, Burn Your Goals, you know, or Atomic Habits or any of these books. Atomic Habits is awesome. Like if you want to start exercising or doing something like <laughs> you, you got to have a success or you're not going to do it. Like, right. And so, it, you know, it really talks about how you get away from that, that goal thing, because like a lot of people, they'll say my goal is to lose 30 pounds and then they lose it. And, so, you know, the majority of people don't keep it off because they, they met their goal. And then it's, and it's like, now what? And Atomic Habits talks about just changing your, your ideology to this is the type of person that a that I want to be. I want to be a healthy person and a healthy person would lose 30 pounds and a healthy person would also keep it off. This is, these are the habits of a healthy person. And so that's, that's, I know it's a rabbit trail, but that's why I got away from goals and started going to commitment. Um, so I did shape, uh, others can count on me to exude an unwavering spirit. Uh, that's the S in shape that inspires others. I can be counted on to communicate in a way that honors others. Um, that's something that I struggle with as a young coach. We all coach the way that we were coached and I was coached, you know, near Bobby Knight territory as a young yeah. kid. And so I had a lot of people who thought that, that coaching was yelling. There is a place for that, but yelling is way more effective when it's rare than when it's, than when it's the rule. And so amen. if amen. you communicate with honor, you know, your, your players really appreciate that. Yep. Um, I, I can be counted on to demonstrate and expect uncommon hustle. And so hustle for me is not going to be diving for a loose ball. It means, you know, I'm never late. 
It means that I'm moving quickly. It means that I'm organized. All those kind of things go into hustle. I will approach all facets of the program in a manner consistent with my value. All who are involved in the program can count on me to exemplify precision in how I plan and how I prepare. And I can be trusted to enhance my ability to teach basketball and life lessons. So when I tell my players that they can hold me to this, you know, we're not perfect. And when when I don't communicate the right way, you know, I've had players who felt they bought into this so much they've talked to me one-on-one and said coach you said that you wanted to be held to this and you know you embarrassed us during a game you acted like an idiot you embarrassed our program or you you threw stuff at practice and you didn't do what you said you wanted to be held to and so you know I think as a coach I personally am comfortable with players doing that not everybody is comfortable with that but but I am that doesn't mean that I'm their equal it doesn't mean that I'm their buddy but it does mean that they see me as a human they see me as someone who can be teachable and if I'm trying to prepare better men you know how many husbands are are don't communicate the right way or in front of their kids, they want to appear like they're never wrong. If I want them to be the right kind of husbands and fathers, then I think that we are the last bastion of hope for that in America. I think coaches are really the last group that can that can instill that kind of thing in young men. It is. And I, and I, I mean, I tell people, and I've said this on my podcast for years, it's like when I started coaching, I used to think it was, you know, 80% X's and O's and 20% the other. It's basically a flip for me. It's 20% yeah. X's and O's. And it's the 80% of relationship, these kind of things, commitments, you know, teaching them those things is going to be so, it's so much. It, I mean, that's what I'm missing right now in the whole um, quarantine, yeah. you know, that relationship part is so hard to do via zoom and all that kind of stuff but yeah so you know since you're talking about that we do a team zoom and i bring in an alumnus a guy who played in the program that maybe the guys don't know it keeps the alumni tied to us it it lets them know who laid the path before them you know we go through a book together right now we're going through legacy by james kerr about the all blacks and then the players do one and I'm not a part of that. I just told them that they needed to do it. So they're checking on each other's grades. They're checking on each other's workout habits, all that other kind of stuff. They're they're doing a player-led one. And so even though I can't do what I want to do as a coach, I'm still having a player-led program, even right. though we're not together. And how you many know, people again, in your how many kids in your program? You know, I run a varsity reserve and a varsity. You so do. We, okay. we have uh with coaches and everything on these calls, we usually have twenty one to, to twenty four people. Okay. So this past one, you know, I just had uh, five kids sign over the past couple of weeks. And so we we brought in our new recruits and made them part of it. We, we learned about their life and we all talked about each other. And I go through the five H's. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Uh-uh. It's an activity. If they have to tell me about their heritage, a hardship, a highlight, their honey. Um, I forget which one I left out, but I, I change it. And if you think about those five H's, that tells you a lot. You get to know a lot about a person when you hear their heritage. You know, maybe they had, um, like I've had players who have descendants who were slaves or some who were there on D-Day or something like that. Right. You hear about their highlight in their life. You hear about their hardship, what their families go through. You know, I had two players this year who I found out that um, they had been homeless. Right. Their families had been homeless. And when they have that level of vulnerability with each other, where they're able to share some stuff like that, that they may not 
want everybody else to know that's what we're doing during this time to try not to make excuses for not being together we're just trying to to find ways to you know build that bond so that if we are able to play a season this year you know we're not really behind the eight ball i want us to be ahead of everybody not behind everybody right I agree. Um, where do you want me to go from here? So wherever you want, whatever you think would be helpful for someone that's listening. I'm going to skip to another document, if okay. you're okay. Yep. I think this is really good. Frank Alaco coached at De La Salle out in California that the school that they did that movie about their football team that had only lost, hadn't lost in a couple of years. Yeah. Yep. I, for, I forgot the name of that movie, but. He was the basketball coach at that program and you know he did a lot of stuff and i've added some stuff here but i think if we're going to talk about program building you know he's where i would start i got a lot of advice from him early in my career he played both football and basketball for notre dame and so he played for era parsegian and he played for digger phelps and so he had you know some of the best coaches that have been around um and he was there at a great great era of Notre Dame football and basketball. He was part of the a championship team. He he helped recruit Joe Montana. He was a quarterback with Joe Montana there at, at Notre Dame. And then he was on the basketball team that, that beat uh, UCLA, I believe. So okay. um, that's kind of, kind of the background of him. Uh, but I think number one, communicating uh, to parents and administrators is, is huge in program building. What people are not up on, they're down on. And so I think you can avoid so many problems later if you keep parents and administrators informed of everything. And so administrators, you know, it might be a special thing that you're doing. It's giving them your schedule. It's asking them to be a participant in something that you do at halftime or during timeouts. Um, you know, like we always, we did that. Uh, we did a silent night game like Taylor University does. Um, What's a silent night game? Is that like quiet until someone scores or something? Right. We would do that and we would have t-shirts. Uh, we would, our, our school, uh, we would have a whiteout where everybody bought the same t-shirt for the game and the, the entire gym was white. And the coach, uh, I would let the administrators lead all that kind of stuff. And I really made them active participants in what we were doing. Um, and I would bring them in to speak to my guys and, just learn about their lives. I would do that five H's activity with the administrators so that they knew my players in a different setting and my players saw them as people and, and not as a threat. And then parents, you know, I, I have, I can show you in a little bit, but I, I try to have six meetings a year when I was a high school coach and that's a lot. But if you plan them out and you think about you know, what you need to do during each one of those six meetings. You know, we would have a, a preseason parent meeting. The kids would stand up, they would introduce their parents, and then the kids would leave. And I would talk about my expectations. The players already knew that. And I would, if you were in my program, you had to come to that meeting. And if you couldn't make it to that meeting, you had to meet with me at another time. And if you could never do that, then I wouldn't let your, your child play for me. I just thought it was that important. Right. Oh, I do too. That preseason meeting is so important. It's like, yeah. So they would all sign what my expectations were. And so this is going to blow some how, people how, away. How, 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 before we do that, how complicated were your expectations? Was it a sheet of paper? Was it mine are like um, 10 bullet points? Do this, do this, do this. Yeah, I can, I can give that to you for your show notes. I don't okay. have that. Yeah. Okay. Up right now, but yeah, it was that. And it, it included, 
what I planned on doing for, you know, away tournaments, what hotels I planned on staying at, who my chaperones were going to be. I just had everything planned out so that they weren't, you know, nobody likes to be surprised. You know, everybody is hurting for rides and stuff like that with a lot of kids that don't drive. So if we put ourselves in the parent's spot, we can eliminate a lot of the problems. Um, right. Uh, like you said, it's not X's and O's, it's Johnny's and Joe's. You want to coax them to be special. And, you know, there's, each coach is going to do that in a different way. But, you know, I always talk things, I always frame things as this is what an average person does. And this is what somebody does who really wants to be special. And your, your kids who really want that, they're going to buy into that. Um, all right, right. Before I was interrupted, I was going to tell you some of my expectations. Oh, yeah. That, sorry about that, that. That kind of builds into this. Yep. I wanted our team GPA to be uh, 3.0, which is not, you know, that's not out of realm. But when you average everybody's GPA together, I basically wanted our, our whole team to be getting A's and B's on average. I feel like that's reasonable to expect. And, you know, I got a lot of pushback when I, I was able to start the program I was at in Atlanta. And so I was able to institute some of these things and not have to overcome what what somebody else has done, but I, I've done this in all sorts of different situations and I made that competitive. So I split the team up in half and we competed for our GPA each semester. And like after first semester, whichever team had the best GPA, they got a steak dinner at my house and the losers had to serve them dinner and they got hot dogs. And it was just a good natured way of having a Christmas party saying that grades are important and everything matters. And you can't be a dedicated person in one area of your life, but be a slob in another area of your right. life. Everything matters. And so we did our GPA that way. And in my, my three years that we won the state championship, um, I don't think it's a coincidence, but every one of those years I had a team GPA of 3.5. <laughs> uh, that means almost everybody was making A's, all A's. A's. Yeah. And, you know, I know that's rare. And when I share that with people, they – I have the documents to prove it, but you know, people don't think that that's possible. But my point is you may not be able to, to do exactly that, but people want to be held to high expectations. I really believe that. And so part of what I would cover in my parent meeting is those expectations. You know, they could have no behavior violations, or I think I allowed one. They could have one behavior violation because everybody can mess up, but I don't, yep. if they had another, then there were consequences for that. And they had to attend, out of the entire summer, I think I had that they had to attend uh, 30 off-season workouts. So that was from the time our season ended until school started again. So that's really the end of spring and end of the summer because I want them to be a kid. I want them to be able to play football or whatever their other sport was. But I did, them want, I did want them to come in and get skill work with me because I felt like that was important too. And so what I said, is, if, if any kid does that, then he can be on our varsity team. And so I had kids every year who were on our varsity team who weren't very good. But if you have a kid that meets the academic criteria, they make all the workouts and stuff like that, and you're at the high school level, I think that's the type of kid that you can change their life. And I think that's the type of kid that, that you want representing your school. And if we're in this to change lives and not just win championships, I think that that's, that's something that, that you can consider. And they know that they're not going to play. That's part of the whole deal. They know that they're not going to play a lot. But if a kid is willing to do all that kind of stuff and, I, and they're in my pressing system, I can count on that kid to go in there for a little while and press yep. and, and be able to – you know, to have a good high school. And give me experience. some, give me some, give me some minutes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 
I agree. I agree. The next thing of program building is I think be strong and be able to handle criticism. Nobody likes it. Like Dabo said this year, you know, only listen to criticism from people that you would take advice from. If you wouldn't take advice from them, then then right. don't worry. Don't worry about what their criticism is. And that initially that's easier said than done. But the longer you coach, the longer you realize in life, if you're doing something worthwhile, you're going to have critics. And if you want to be popular, sell ice cream. <laughs> I know. I love that quote. I love that quote. It's like if you're the losing team in your conference, everyone's going to love losing coach right. in your team. Everyone's going to love you. Like, you I don't want to be able, yeah. Yeah. You get the sportsmanship trophy every yeah, year. Yeah. But, you know, be able to handle criticism. And some of it is going to be uh, viable. Most of it's not. I would say probably 80 or 90% of it is not, is not valid. But there is going to be 10, 15% of criticism that can really help you if you're, if you're wise enough to take it and at, at least check to see if the person criticizing has a point. I want input. I just got to be – as you get older, you learn to cipher better, I think. Right. Uh, I do. Next, I think you – what does your program stand for? What is your identity? I think if you were to ask somebody in your league what your school's reputation is, you know, I think they need – somebody in your league would be able to say that, right? Yes. Maybe it's, man, they crumble under pressure. Man, they're really good at, at, at their baseline, out-of-bounds plays. They're really good at special situations. You know, if it's just about wins and losses, you don't have a program, you have a team. Um, when, and, and so I think most of us want to have a program. We don't want this to be a transactional arrangement. We want it to be a, a transformational experience and if you want to be a transformational coach you're you're going to want your program to stand for something bigger than putting a leather ball through an iron hoop you're gonna you want your guys to be able to to use basketball as a way to teach life lessons because uh, morgan wooten used to always say what makes life work makes basketball work and what makes basketball work makes life work and if you think about it you know being unselfish being able to accept criticism, being teachable, all those kind of things that make you a better person in life, make you a better basketball player too. Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying this. Um, make sure you subscribe, no matter where you listen to podcasts. Um, Spotify, Apple, we love those Apple podcasts, and we're doing really well on those Apple podcasts. Um, also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. We always ask our players to get better and work on their game. I, um, I'm, I'm challenging you to do the same thing right now and come and work on your game. Um, and then if you're looking for some more listening stuff, um, don't want to pay for Audible and want to listen, um, we also have high school hoops that Jake and I put on once a week. And then we have teachers' side gig. For all those teachers that have a side gig and uh, trying to make ends meet, come over and listen to other teachers um, that have that have a side gig. I, it intrigues me. I, I, I love doing those podcasts. So, um, all right, let's head back to ours. Bye. And so we need to be able to answer the question, how do opponents describe your program? And that really is a good place to start when you're coming up with your philosophy or what you want your program to be like. You know, it. If you answer that honestly, you know, most of us, the first time we answer that honestly, we're probably going to be a little bit embarrassed or, or not exactly proud of how opponents would describe our program. And just use that as motivation. If you don't like where your program's at, um, like I have here, have a vision of what you'd like it to look like a couple years down the road. Find a coach who has that. That's the kind of coaches that I seek right now. If they do something in their program, I don't care if it's, an, if it's a region opponent of mine. 
If they do something that I like, I find out how they're able to do that. And I try to adopt it. I'm not going to be so proud that I don't do something that's good for my team just because somebody in my region does it. I, I want to be the best too. Um, be humble and look for people that will help you with that vision and, and get where you want to be. And, you know, Doug Novak has been that for me. Um, I can give a couple people, you know, I don't know how much audience would know about Morgan Wooten now, but he just passed away um, in January and uh, we're at the beginning of February, actually. Uh, first high school coach to be in the Hall of Fame, started the program there at DeMatha. And I used to work his camps and bother him at his practices. And, you know, I knew that you know, I'm a man of faith, and so I knew that my program wanted to include something about faith, something about family, and something about fundamentals. And so those, you know, those were the F words in my program uh, right. when I started. And then I, my philosophy has, has gone from that. You know, your first year, whether you're the first coach there or you're taking over a program, only in that first year do you have the ability to set the tone and know what you want the program to stand for in your first year. And it's and hard. You, and from yeah. when I took over my program, I was the only applicant. And it was like, I had to go in and these were, what I, these were my standards. These were my pillars. And it was like, people were looking at me like I was from Mars. I, right. I knew I'd never get that first year back. That's exactly right. Set that tone on day one and, and say what will be acceptable from your kids and what your expectations are. And that doesn't mean going in with a bunch of rules, but if you just frame it as I, I, I see this potential in you and I'm going to hold you to your highest potential. You know, you don't want to disappoint me and do anything, you know, less than what you're able to do and then have a plan, have a year round program, uh, coax them to want to be something special, you know, in your in your questionnaire that we talked about earlier that you sent me, you know, you're different now than before. And, right. you know, in my era, it was mostly about sport. There wasn't, of course, it wasn't the internet era and it wasn't so much with video games and stuff like that. And I don't think any of those things are wrong, but I do think it's, it's more important than ever to show people how to prioritize. And I think you can do everything that you want to do if you have a plan and you prioritize that. And that includes, you know, going out with your girlfriend, even playing other sports, you know, video games, whatever it is. It just, it just can't take a, you're not going to, if you want to be good at basketball, then, you know, like Nick Saban says, it takes what it takes. And right. you just got to, you've got to do, you've got to put the work in. And do you look for multi-sport athletes? I do, but I will say that it doesn't, it's not just multi-sport, you know, I like, if I know the football program that they played for and I respect that coach, I like the fact that they've played football because, you know, living in Atlanta, I always had a bunch of football players that I was coaching. Right. And there's just a, there's just a toughness that I get from people who either wrestled or play football. And, you know, I, I've had a lot of guys who, who run track. Right. And at the college level, the two sport athletes that have been able to work out is doing track right after basketball and then doing the spring season of golf. You know, I want them to be able to do that. I don't think, I don't think basketball should ever be the most important thing in your life. And I right. think it does have its place and you do need to stay with it. But I do think that there's, you know, there's so much that I know now about mental health that I didn't know 10 years ago. And I think it's just mentally healthy for kids to do different things. Right. And I think as you get, I always tell, especially the, if the, the youth coaches that listen to this, before you're 13 years old or 12 years old, you should play as many sports as you can for injury prevention, for motor skill, for all sorts of reasons. That's my opinion. 
um, studies have proven that. But anyway, I like the competitiveness. I like the I like the competitiveness that comes with multi-sport athletes. It's about balance. The thing is, yeah, you you have to have everybody has to have a good relationship with their with their fellow coaches because all of us all of us are fighting for the best athlete. Sometimes I was in a situation in Georgia where football. You know, if you're in the state championship, but sometimes we were. Football can go all the way. It's the weekend before Christmas, and that's that's half your season. And so you don't want to be in a position where you're hoping your football team gets knocked out in the first right. first round of playoffs. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy, but you've got to run your program too. And so you know, I, I just talked to a group from Texas today, and they were asking me how to handle that. And you you really got to get a core group of guys who do play a lot of basketball. I don't think there's any way around that. No, but, I agree. I mean, yeah. you, you can have you can have like, I can I, in my successful teams. I've had basketball players that play other sports, and then I've had other guys that they were football players that played basketball. Two or three of them are playing in the NFL. That's yeah. that works. As long as they, I mean, again, they wanted to be around their friends. They wanted to be competitive. They like the work, you know, that they wanted to just, you know, when do you get to play with your friends? Like, you know, not that the guys in college don't become friends. These guys have grown up since kindergarten together. So right. there's a unique, like, I, I refer to it as like a band of brothers um, thing that can happen in high school that's very unique that you grew up with these kids you played together you know you love hate relationship kind of thing going on so I always find that really cool but yeah, go ahead, coach. I'm sorry. I mean that's the purest to me that's basketball at its purest when you're able to grow up together and, and play that way and Atlanta's the worst place I've ever seen for transfers you know there's some <laughs> kids who there's rules that are set in place but it's so rampant that there's there's no governing body that could track it all you know I just don't I, I realize that makes me an old fart, but if you can stay together and do that, I think it is much more valuable than than hopping around and trying to take the next easiest thing. I don't think I think sticking with it and, and sticking and sticking through the tough times together is way more valuable than than going to what looks like greener grass. You know, right? Yeah. yeah. As my grandfather used to say, if the grass is greener on the other side, it's because there's there's more fertilizer on that side. Yeah, there is. He didn't use fertilizer. He used another word. And I'm sure he did. Another document that I think is good here, again, talking about your program. You may be the only mentor they have. And coach, you know this. And, you know, I don't, I don't mind sharing it. But I just had one of my, my players during this pandemic, one of my former players from a couple of years ago, uh, commit suicide. And he was... He was engaged, had a little daughter. He was vice president of a company and, and he had, you know, from the outside, I can't, nobody can figure out, you know, what was so right. traumatic to him. You know, I've had, I can't tell you how many times I've had people call and say, listen, I'm going through this. I'm really thinking some really dark thoughts. How bad do you feel if you find out one of your players takes their lives or harms themselves or harms right. somebody else? And some of us think it's too touchy feely to be that mentor type but i think in this day and age it's almost your your duty i think if you're going to be a coach you you have to be that uh, you can't be another negative uh, influence in their life they're already getting enough of that from everybody else and i think you need to be the one positive thing in their day and i think i think they almost live in a tougher society than you and i grew up in yeah. because the I, I i tell them all the time comparison is the thief of joy yeah you know i mean it's like Instagram and pinch all this stuff is like that's that's not reality that's like that's false reality so 
that comparison is just one snapshot of that person's day. So, um, yeah, I, I, I 100, I mean, I'm married to a psychologist, so I 100% agree with what you're saying. Um, I think that, you know, and especially with some of the kids I coach that come from some, you know, they, 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 there's some challenges in their day-to-day lives. Um, you have to be that mentor for them, you know, and it's hard. It's hard right now with this disconnection um, to always be there for them. I miss seeing their faces. I definitely do. But go ahead, coach. Keep going. Again, we coach people, not yeah. basketball. Yeah. And dealing with people makes you successful. One of the books, best books is an oldie, but How to Win Friends and Influence People is still a classic book that I think every coach should read, you yeah. know. Like we've talked about a couple of times tonight, we think initially that most of basketball is X's and O's, but anybody can look at Fast Draw and anybody can look at YouTube. That is not what makes you a coach. It's all this other stuff. And yeah. it's and and I tell coaches too, and you and you've done that. You've explained this over the last couple of hours. You have to find mentors. You have to find somebody that's going to help guide you through this process. I've been very lucky. You sound like you've been lucky to have. You know, and we, we've both been successful, but it's like, I, the only reason I'm sitting here is because of other people. Other people have helped me along the way. That's one of the reasons I do this podcast is I want to give information to help other people. So I, I think finding mentors and people like that in your life can help through the ups and downs too, I think, in a, in a big part. You know, I, 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 in my position now as a college coach, I'm, I try to help my players connect with uh, alumnus or influential people in whatever field they're studying so they can help. I, I put them with a mentor. We do something called the lab and it stands for life after basketball. And we bring in speakers um, and special people that, that have, that are in whatever they want to be in eventually. And, you know, you can do, I did that as a high school coach as well. And I just think if you're, if you're really trying to help them, I think that's a, a really good way to do it is, is bring in speakers and um, bring in mentors like that. And, and I have them and, and I continue to need them. You know, Morgan Wooten, like I said, was, was really influential and he really didn't have anybody that he could look to at the high school level. Yeah. So he got Dean Smith and John Wooden to, and Red Auerbach were his mentors, some of the, the biggest names ever in basketball. Right. And, and I have my mentors come to practice. I have my mentors scout my teams. I have, I mean, I want them to do that because they're here so, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Coaching group I'm on a Twitter, you know, one of the guys we were talking about today, you know, while we have all this time where we can't do much of anything else is have your mentor watch all of your film, not just the good games, right. have, him, have him watch as much film as he's willing to watch and give you feedback and tell you what he would have done, you know, kind of what you missed there and yep. just getting that out. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? There's no harm in doing that. No. Uh, your, your players and parents, don't ever have to know that you did that. So I have a couple of situations here that, that a coach would deal with. And number one, you know, we've all probably had this situation in high school where you hear a kid might not play this year. You know, you don't want to act or react to that. When kids are doing that, they just want the attention. And really my, my perspective has been, it's not a required course, it's an elective. Would you really want to depend on a kid like that in a last second situation? Never beg a kid to play, I promise you, it never ever works out. And there's always that, that fool's gold, I like to call it, where we're just sure that we're the one that can reach this kid and change this kid. But if a kid has a demonstrated attitude like that, a horse is not going to change. A zebra is not going to change its stripe. Don't beg a kid. That That is, I put that first for a reason. Yes. Amen. <laughs> I've had, I mean, 
my my one of my state championships games too. Kid played Division One football. wasn't going to come out his senior year. Blah, blah blah. It's like I didn't ask him. Then we went in and winning ended up winning the state title that year in triple overtime. And I still remember him after we won. He goes, Coach, that was the biggest mistake I ever made. I go, it's like, well, life will be okay. You'll be fine. Yeah. But it's like, no, it never works out. First of all, basketball is too long of a season. Like, yeah. if, they're, if their heart's not in it, then I'm glad I've heard someone else say yeah. that. Because I've had battles with my assistant coaches. Oh, you should go talk to him. You should. It's like, well, if he wants to come out, he'll come out. Like It's addition by subtraction. And just think if you're the player on that team, how important you feel if your coach is constantly focused on who is not there. And as a coach, you always want to be where your feet are and just coach who you have, not who you don't have. That's really controlling the controllables. And I agree. That's really all you can control. I talked a little bit about the administration at the beginning, and let me just get a little bit more into that. You need to know who can fire you. All of us have all of us have different people, whether it's a board-run school or the district superintendent, maybe it's the athletic director. Every situation's different. And so when you're when you're going into a job, you need to know all these things. Who can fire you? You need to know what their definition of success is because it may not be yours. Maybe it is simply wins and losses and championships. And if, if that's the case, then you have to schedule completely different. You know, I've won seven championships, but if you look at my winless loss record, it's boo-boo. But the reason it, it's not very good is because I play a lot of tough teams and because I, I, I'm always looking towards the end. But my right. win-loss records in season and out of season is nothing to be proud of, but I've had administrators who understood that what I was doing in October and November was going to pay dividends in, in April and March. Right. Yeah. That's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, keep them informed. Try to meet with them for 10 minutes every week. And that's, that's saying what's going well. That's saying what you need. That's thanking them for what they've already provided. You know, thank you goes a, a long way. Sometimes you have to search for things to be thankful for. But if you put yourself in the administrator's spot and he's got X amount of dollars to dole out, is he going to give that to the person that complained all the time or the person that said thank you all the time? And just be smart. That's the squeaky wheel getting the grease, but the squeaky wheel is is a good wheel. You're not being annoying. You're being uh, the kind of person that he wants to see all the time. And again, it's very hard for administration to build negative momentum or listen to parents or anything like that if you're meeting with them and you're taking the initiative to do that. And I know very few coaches who take the initiative to do that themselves. They wait or they try to avoid the administration. I just don't think that's smart. If you're in a position where you need to avoid the administration, then then your, your ship is already sunk, buddy. Right. Yeah. It, it, well, I think it also goes back to, I, I'd rather, I'm going to come, I'd rather press you than sit back and let you dictate to me. It's a right. similar in that situation is I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to talk to the people I need to talk to. I'm going to tell them what's going on. I'm going to tell them pluses. So I think that's a, that, if you need to think of it in terms of, for the young coaches, think of it in terms of coaching, don't sit back and wait for you to be down 15 points. Um, you know, be the, tend to be the aggressor and it, yeah. It goes back to a point you made 20 minutes ago. Communication on the court is just as is as important as communication off the court. Um, yeah. it, it solves most problems in life, to yeah. be honest with you. Every human relationship requires communication, and it's no different with, 
with your administrator with you and right so in this um you know i was fortunate to have my last headmaster had been he had been a college basketball coach so i didn't have to go through all of this stuff with him right but my previous my previous principal had only ever been involved in fine arts and he knew nothing about sports but he listened to people and so i explained to him what a good shot was i explained what i'm doing on defense um you know then i tell my players what to say i tell them what a good shot is what to say on defense i tell them what they're supposed to say to their teachers what to ask their teachers i give my administration traits of a successful athlete at the beginning of, of every season and i give them my agenda i give them all the handouts that i give the parents so the parents are never surprising them with anything and so if i'm telling them that i'm there's going to be a cost you know especially when it comes to team camp in the summer or you know anything else they don't need to find that out from a parent they need to find that out from me and so i want them to have everything that the parents have and you know what they do with it is up to them but if you do your job and you give them all that stuff then i think you've done everything that you can do and if you end up getting canned from that job you can look in the mirror and know that you you got canned on your own terms. You didn't right. get canned on their terms. Right. So I think you want to, if you coach long enough, you know, I've never been fired, but I have seen the handwriting on the wall. Right. And uh, I think you just learn a lot of these things. I learned these things by experience. And so I'm trying to help somebody not have to go through a tough time to learn this stuff. No, I agree. I mean, yeah, learn, learn from, learn some from some old porch dogs, man. Like, trust me. It, it, yeah. Hey everybody. If you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe, like, leave a review, jump up and down, run around your house, whatever you need to do. Also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.